picture the biggest partier that you know after the biggest party of the year, and it's like four or five in the morning, and you just see the after effects. That's what's going on on Wall Street right now. It's hideous. It's ugly. And people aren't talking about it. Luckily, most people don't show their trades. And luckily, most people are too chicken shit to show all their losses. Otherwise, you would see the devastation. Maybe not even a party. More like you know, saving Private Ryan after one of the big battles. It's ugly out there. That's what's happening right now. Most people are too, uh, too cowardly to admit it. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Build Your Network podcast, the only top-rated show committed to helping you grow your business, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Let's get into the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm super stoked to have a friend of mine on, a client of mine on, Tim Sykes. Tim is a stock trader, philanthropist, teacher, traveler, foodie, He turned $12,000 into $7.4 million in the markets and then basically just started teaching a bunch of other people how to do that. He's built over 100 schools across the world, uh, been to over 130 countries and has had over 25, probably a lot more than that even, uh, millionaire students come through his programs, just making big impact on the world in a really positive way. So I'm super, super stoked to bring Tim onto the show. Tim, what's up, dude? How's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So you've done a bunch of stuff, man. And you talk about the same stuff all the time so much that I want to take it back, rewind the clock, maybe talk about some things that you haven't really talked about a lot of times. So let's go back to, uh, let's start off, you know, 10, 11 year old Tim Sykes. Talk to me about, you know, set the scene. Tell me, you know, family life, where you grew up, what was going on in your life at that point? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, I'm from a small town, Connecticut, Orange, Connecticut, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, all the same little boy playing tennis every single day for like 10 hours a day, trying to get really good. I was uh, top ranked in my state of Connecticut, but not nationally, like Florida and California people destroyed me. But I tried and I got into, you know, really just getting obsessive with trying to master my art, my craft. And I probably tried too hard. I actually ended up getting surgery on my arm, which led me, you know, what my dad calls the million dollar injury and <laughs> into trading. So yeah, the multi million too dollar. hard at something and you screw yourself up, but you learn the power of work ethic, you can apply it to something else. Yeah, no kidding, right? What were some of the big takeaways for you when like playing like using sports that it now have definitely applied into your business life? Yeah, I mean, so I teach stock trading and I have several students who are former top athletes. So I think if you're a former top athlete or, you know, top in anything, like you know the crazy work ethic like when I was a tennis player, I used to get up at, you know, 5, 6 a.m., eat codfish for breakfast because that was supposedly like the best for me. I hate codfish now. And I would play tennis like from 6.30 to like 7.30, then go to school. And I had my warm-ups on and students would make fun of me for wearing warm-ups. And I was like, shut up, man, shut up. I just played tennis. And, you know, it paid off inadvertently <laughs> through stock trading. Yeah. Or did you like school? Did you not like school? Um, I mean, it was okay. I, I was really focused on tennis. Like I was so one track so no, minded in my school. No thoughts about after school. You were just really focused on. on no, because I just wanted to get into a good school. I got into Tufts early admission because of tennis. And then I was just like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll learn or whatever. But I, I thought that I was going to go like pro or semi pro. I wouldn't have made it. I would be like this terrible, like tennis pro at like some little crappy country club trying to like <laughs> <laughs> scam rich kids for a hundred dollar lessons. That's what I would, that's what I would have ended up being. So why didn't you end up being that? 
So I had surgery on my arm, Tommy John surgery. They take something out of your arm, put it in the other arm. So I'm walking around school like RoboCop with two casts. School, um, college school or high school? No, this was senior year of high school. So okay. this is when my parents gave me control of my bar mitzvah money, 12 grand. They thought I would lose it all. They're like, look at the little, you know, RoboCop wannabe kid. I was like, shut up. I can't move my arms. And like <laughs> everyone's just making fun of me. I'm wearing warm-ups. I, I look like RoboCop. You know, my mom's like wiping my butt. I can't even like wipe my own ass. Like it's, it was a bad thing. So I could type though. That was the interesting thing. So I used my little RoboCop cast situation to my advantage. 1999 stock market going crazy. And I just crush it. I turned the 12 grand into over a hundred grand senior year of high school, which was a lot to me then. And then oh, yeah. freshman year in college, 700 grand. And I was just like, I'm, I'm never doing anything else. So I assume you didn't stick around for sophomore year. Uh, I transferred from Tufts down to Tulane in New Orleans, and I got myself into a nice little drinking uh, problem. <laughs> so, so college for you was a place to make some money trading in your off hours and get drunk, basically. Yeah, I was a mess. You know, I started my own scholarship senior year of Tulane, basically just in order to graduate. And I remember there was like an award ceremony, and I was I was such a bad drunk. I was like, I came around, I made fun of like the Dean. I got him like a giant pacifier, like a giant pacifier. And I was like, here you go, you big baby. And I was, at the time I was drinking Jim Beam. So I'm carrying around a handle of Jim Beam. And I remember at the award ceremony for my scholarship, you have all the VIPs. And I'm like, I I showed up late. They're only eating like pecan pie. And I'm pouring the Jim Beam on everyone's pecan pie. I was like, here you go. This will make it taste better. I was like, it was yeah. like, like the movie old school. Like I was a mess. Yeah. Basically burning all of your bridges that you built over the last four years. Yeah. yeah. And they just had to tolerate it. Cause I was like the first, you know, college kid to create a scholarship while I was in college. It got like picked up by the AP news and everyone had to be nice to me, but inside they're probably like, what a mess. So what happens after college? Did you even attempt to get a job or were you just like, no, so it gets worse. I, I decided I would start a hedge fund senior year of college. So I moved to New York right from college. I'm like, Oh, I've made a few million at this point. I made nearly 2 million. And I'm just like in New York burning the candle at both ends. And I, you know, I'm, I'm trading. I still make like a few hundred grand a year, but I never really was, cut out for, you know, like multi-million, multi-billion dollar type trading. Um, I'm not that smart. I'm not that great in math. I find my niche making a few hundred grand a year. So it's trying to run a hedge fund with a drinking problem and a cocky kid in New York, not a good combo. Did it take in order for you to really focus in on the business and kind of neglect the the vices or the that type of a scene? Yeah. I mean, outright failure. When I lost like a third of my fund and I was on this TV show at the time, which made it everything worse because there was just like documenting everything. It's called Wall Street Warriors. It became a hit on Mojo, which was like a little channel back then. And I was just like drinking in every scene. I was drunk in every scene. People don't even realize it. They're like, you're so funny. I was like, I'm just drunk. (laughs) Um, But... I was like this drunken reality show star in the early days of HDTV because Mojo was an HD channel and it started popping off. And I I shut down my hedge fund because I had lost 30%, not because of drinking or anything, just because I had grown tired of running a small hedge fund. And I went for a home run. I invested in my best friend's dad's company. They had invented print at home ticketing. I thought it was going to be huge. The technology turned out to be huge. The company went bankrupt. And because of the TV show hitting, because of my cockiness, because of the hedge fund dropping 30%, like I just got wrecked in the press. And that all led me to say, hey, I want to be a teacher because I learned from my loss. 
I learned from, you know, my vices. I moved out of New York. I learned from the TV show. I learned from everything. And I was like, you know, once upon a time, I turned a few thousand into a few million. Let me see if I can do it again. So I went back to the initial 12,000. Didn't lose it all, but I went back there because I lured in all my haters who thought that I lost everything. And I started teaching. And there was a website, fortunately, at the time called Covester, which could track all of your trades. It tapped into your brokerage account. And I became the number one ranked trader out of like 60,000 traders. I, I turned the 12,000 into like 250,000 over two years. And I showed every trade and I, I started teaching. So that whole weird journey made me successful and conservative. Why should people get involved in doing what you do if they want to make extra money? I asked that question in the context of what's going on in the markets currently. Like, is there a bad time? Is there a good time? Is yeah. it a neutral no, they time? Shouldn't. They you shouldn't always... get into the markets. No, they should do something else. They should go out and live. You know, we probably only have a few years left before global Armageddon. So go out and enjoy yourself. But if you want to plan for five, 10 years from now, you should start learning about finance now. I mean, it doesn't matter if you trade like me, the pathetic level of financial education in the world is shocking. And it's because people want to make quick money. So the way I started that out is like, you asked, like, should people get into this to make extra money? No, right now the market sucks. If you're just getting in now, you missed 2020 and 2021. You missed the party. You showed up when the party ended. And now it's just like people passed out. And, you know, it's like an ugly after party at like four, five, six in the morning. But the good news is time will pass. We'll have a little, you know, time for consolidation, aka maybe a crash this September, fingers crossed. But after that consolidation and the crash, it'll probably be a party 2024, 2025. So learn now to be ready for two to three years from now. Well, it's not like you can't make money when the markets are down, right? I mean, there's really nobody making that much right now. I mean, I'm up 70 grand and I'm like near best case scenario in 2022. Most people are down 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70%. It's a nightmare. It's legit like Picture the biggest partier that you know after the biggest party of the year, and it's like four or five in the morning, and you just see the after effects. That's what's going on <laughs> on Wall Street right now. It's hideous. It's ugly. And people aren't talking about it. Luckily, most people don't show their trades. And luckily, most people are too chicken shit to show all their losses. Otherwise, you would see the devastation. Maybe not even a party, more like you know, saving Private Ryan after one of the big battles. It's ugly out there. That's what's happening right now. Most people are too... Uh, too cowardly to admit it. What should people do? You've got money in the stock market. You're watching it dwindle in your account. You hold strong, keep it. Don't well, like I off. said, I think if, if you're not focused on learning right now to be prepared for 2024 or 2025, go out and live. Now that we can actually travel again, who knows when there's going to be another, you know, monkey pox, chicken pox, shark pox, gorilla pox, who knows what's coming next. So you might as well live for this brief period of time. And if you have money in the markets, I would probably take it out and go out and fucking spend it before the market takes it. At least you can spend it and have fun. So, you know, you have two options. You can either go out and have fun and study, or you can, you know, just really chill and have no life and be better prepared for, you know, the craziness that's coming three, four, five years from now. Is there another asset class that you're excited about or looking at, or like kind of putting some funds in, in the meantime? Yeah, I'm 100% eight figures in a little asset class I like to call the US dollar that, you know, has a lot of haters, but 
surprisingly, the U.S. dollar has been one of the strongest asset classes. So all the crypto freaks are losing all their money, throwing it all, whatever they have left into, you know, drugs and prostitution. I hear that's, you know, raging amongst all the, the crypto people out there. But aside from that, I don't think there's really any booming businesses right now. Maybe alcohol. I don't know. I think this summer summer is like a a summer of like revenge travel. So I know that a lot of people are just going to travel, but this is like with whatever money they have left, maybe credit card debt is at all time highs, maybe invest in credit cards, companies. I don't know. It's terrible right now. And it's crazy. More people aren't talking about it. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think it's happened so fast. And so most people haven't even checked, like I said, like financial education, most people haven't even checked their balances. They might know that their funds are down or their retirements are down, but they haven't checked in the past like two or three or four weeks. And things have just gotten terrible in April and May. So, you know, maybe this is the bottom. I, I don't know. I don't try to predict the market, but I do like to react to the market and I am realistic. And I, I know from... I mean, some of the best fund managers, the worst fund managers, the best traders, the worst traders. For me, rule number one is cut losses quickly. And I gave a speech late November last year, actually in Vegas at the Thrive Conference. I wore a hard hat and construction outfit and I warned about the upcoming crash. Everyone laughed at me. And I was like, I got to wear a hard hat. A crash can come at any time. I didn't know how it would play out with Putin and everything. But, you know, when you have the dumbest people you know, like the biggest cokeheads, the most inbred, incompetent, illiterate sons of bitches making millions, that doesn't last. It doesn't last for very long. If you go back to 2000, 1999 type levels, 2008, dumb people never hold on to their millions. So they're either going to lose it in the markets or they're going to spend it. Those are the two options. How can we avoid being one of the dumb people? Study, have no life whatsoever. Don't live in Vegas. Don't live in any big city where there's distractions. Most of my best students are in the Midwest. I actually had like a Michigan meetup two and a half years ago with these students who were, they weren't even millionaires at the time. They later became millionaires. And I was just, I was laughing that I have so many top students in Michigan. And I built a library there with my charity just because I needed a reason to go there because otherwise it was just depressing. But if you live in these depressing places where there's nothing to do, but you have the internet and you have ambition, you're good. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is, uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine 
is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Talk to me about relationships, man. What, what, how, how has your network played a role in uh, your success throughout your career? So I know like there's this popular saying like, you know, your net worth is your network and you're the average of the five people you spend your time. Shut the fuck up. Like that's the biggest bunch of bullshit I've ever heard. And this is like what coaches sell for like, oh, inner access to their coaching circle. Like you're not going to get real estate deals unless you shut the fuck up. Like, what am I? The, the sum of the last five mosquitoes that bit my arm. Am I that easily influenced by something that bites my arm or people that I spend my time with? So, yeah. So along the way, there hasn't been anybody that you felt like, man, if I hadn't met this person or learned from this or experienced this with that person, I might be in a completely different situation now. Or I mean, my $500,000 loss and the press trashing me really, you know, put me down, gave me a chip on my shoulder, which I then used to push myself. All the shady websites and chat rooms on the internet back in 99 and 2000 when I first began learning where traders would alert when they're buying their stock, but they're never alerting exiting. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not trading. Trading is an entry and an exit. What's going on here? So in my book, I actually thank all the scammers, all the fraudsters, all the liars out there, because if they weren't so shady, I wouldn't have the opportunity to be real and have a booming business just by telling the fucking truth. So I'm grateful for all the frauds. I'm grateful for all the fakes. You know, just like the fact that people are down 60, 70%. Most people don't even realize it because very few people talk about it. Kathy Wood is, you know, talked about everywhere because she's transparent with her trades and her ARKK ETF is down 70, 75%. It's terrible, but she's transparent. So she gets picked on. All the non-transparent traders and hedge funds that are down similar, they're not getting picked on because no one even knows how much they're down. So whether you want to be transparent, whether you're not, I'm thankful for all the fakes. I have the easiest job in the world. All I have to do is say what I do, say what's happened to me, say what I've learned over the past 20 years. And people like it because it's refreshing, because it's real. So you've had thousands of people at this point come through your, your mentorship programs, your trainings and teaching and everything like that. Was there anybody along the way that you learned from? Sadly, I didn't really have a mentor. You know, So for me, I always say I'm trying to be the mentor to people that I never had. So that's why yeah. like, I'm a little extra blunt just to like get my point across. I mean, I, I look up to like people like George Soros, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Mark Cuban. I mean, of course I look up to them, but it's not like I, I learned specific lessons from them. And I don't think that, you know, the role of a mentor should be, you know, teaching like the, the very smallest nuances. Like, I feel like for me, I, I teach everything I learn, but like I said, I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not that great at math. My top students have already surpassed me and I love it. Interesting. Your top students have already surpassed you. What a great goal to have as, as a teacher. I mean, you just have to know your, your, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses. You have to be real about it. Like I'm, I've never created an Excel spreadsheet in my life. All my top students use Excel and they're tracking all their trades. And I'm like, just like, yeah, I think this pattern is good for me. Yeah. I get a little too emotional here. I mean, I'm not that great of a trader. I, I am way too emotional. 
All my top students are weird as fuck. They have no emotions. Like you would think that they're robots. There's conspiracy theories where it's like, oh, Tim, you don't teach. These are just your friends. These are just paid actors. I agree that they're my friends. They become my friends after I hang out with them. If they were actors, I would hire better fucking actors. (laughs) My top students can barely, it's like Rain Man on camera. And I'm just like, I'm trying to like get my top students like to motivate other people. And they're just like, yeah, I made, made a million. Yeah. That's a good week. Like we were on Steve Harvey and you can see this. And I had two students up there and I'm like trying to hype them up and Steve Harvey's trying to hype them up. And they're just, they're not hypable. Like, you know, <laughs> they're not hypable. But, but that's the best traders that that's I know. That's good strategy. I mean, right. Right. I've met some of the top traders in the world. Like, you know, I met like Stevie Cohen who now owns the Mets and in person, he is just cold. Like there's like you, there's no emotion and that's how you have to be to really be a top trader. So I'll never be a top trader. I've made 7.4 million. My top student, Tim Rattani, has made 15 million. He's had two kids. He barely even trades. He's up a million and a half this year, like doing dad duty stuff. So whatever works. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. I love checking out some of the stuff that you're putting out there. Where can people learn more about the programs that you have going on and uh, where can they connect with you the most? Do not Google Timothy Sykes. Do not search for it. Do not watch my reality shows. Do not read my book. Do not read my blog. Just go out and live. Seriously. Anybody listening to this, you know, maybe you make some money, maybe you don't, maybe you want to learn, but most people listening to this, they just don't have like the work ethic. They don't have the the dedication required to be my student. So if there's one thing to take away from this market and from this interview, just go out and live. It's going to suck for the next year or two. If you're crazy, if you have no social skills whatsoever, if you want to be rich and you want to be able to like, you know, buy a life and buy your friends and buy whatever you want later on, then talk to me. Only the weirdest people talk to me. (laughs) I can't imagine why, Tim. Can't imagine why. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know why all my stalkers are guys. Why don't I have any female stalkers? I don't know these things. (laughs) Oh man. I do have my first female millionaire student though, Mariana. She is not weird. She's amazing. When I do an interview with her, people say that I'm weird, which is true. So thank you, Mariana, for being my first female millionaire student. But she's also very disciplined. Here's I'm going to leave you with one last thing. So imagine signing up to my program, not making a trade for an entire year. All she did was go through the DVDs, webinars, and video lessons from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. She had a whole schedule. I've seen her schedule. It's crazy. After a year, she's like, okay, now I've prepared. Now I'm able to risk my own money. And she did it. And she she couldn't have timed it better. She didn't know, but she got started in 2018, learned in 2019. She was ready for the crazy markets of 2020, 2021. And now she's made 1.6 million. She's taking care of her whole Colombian family. They're all like, you know, being helped by her. So she did it right. But, you know, would you be able to, let's say you took a stock class, would you be able to not trade stocks for not even have a brokerage account for a year and just go through all the educational materials? Absolutely not. I've been around her too, when we're eating creme brulee and, you know, I have no patience and I fucking love creme brulee and I ate my creme brulee in 20 seconds. And I was like, yes. And she had like this big spoon, but she's taking like little things. And I just watched her eat the creme brulee. It took her like 15 minutes. And I was just like, I wanted to like, just give her a spoonful. Like, but she would just like do a little. So if you're patient too, that's another thing. Patience is actually good for education and trading. I don't have it. I don't understand that shit. You have to be realistic. If you have no social skills or very little, 
You're not going to become popular. You're not going to find the love of your life. You're going to be too, even if you meet the love of your life, you're going to be too scared to go up to them. Let's be honest. But if you have money, maybe you can't buy happiness, but it'll buy you confidence. It'll buy you nice clothes. It'll make you more desirable. So then that's what you need to do. There you go, guys. Go check out some of Tim's stuff. He's all over, all over Instagram, all over Facebook. Oh, actually, before we go off, bro, I wanted to ask you about the schools that you're building. Talk to us about that real quick. So for me, the reason why I can be so weird and eccentric and funny about my wealth is because it means nothing to me anymore. I don't like luxury stuff like I, I grew up wanting when I was a kid. You know, had the Lambo, Ferrari, Rolls Royce, big house, boat, jet skis, you know, all the luxury stuff, spending 10, 20 grand at the club, it meant nothing to me after a while. And I got into giving it away. Actually, I don't know. Do you know Neil Patel? He's in Vegas too. Yep. Neil Patel is the reason, again, this is how I learned. He's my friend, but he built a school in Cambodia and I'm competitive with Neil. And I said, Neil built a school in Cambodia. Fuck that. I'm going to build a school. So I built a school in Cambodia in the same village as his. They needed another school too. My school was three times the size of his. And I went to Cambodia. Neil Patel doesn't go to third world countries. So I knew there was no risk of him going. I went there and I held up my iPhone and I had all the kids stand in front of my school. And no one was in front of his school. I was like, Neil, look at my fucking school. Look at your school. And so he got the point. Never built another school. I was probably too harsh. Now I'm up to 106 schools. But I got in for the wrong reasons just because I was competitive. Fell in love with Cambodia and a lot of these third world countries like Ghana, Guatemala, Laos. Laos, I was supposed to go there and make a $50,000 donation, but I fell in love with them. I made a million dollar donation on the spot. The translator didn't even have a word for a million dollars because it's a lot of money in Laos. They thought that I donated $10,000, which was still a lot. But like I posted the video and all, I have some students from Laos and they're like, why is the translator saying you only donated 10,000? And I was like, what? fucking translator. I don't know this stuff. So, (laughs) you know, you find what makes you happy and now building schools, going to these countries, really, you know, helping these communities. That's what makes me happiest. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I appreciate, appreciate coming on the show. Appreciate you sharing. Uh, appreciate the candor. And, uh, and I know that I know that people are gonna really enjoy this one. So I'm just I'm trying to get good in front of the camera. How did I do? I'm a yeah, little really. I'm, a, I'm a little introverted. I'm I'm trying though. <laughs> I took a, a extroversion class. So excellent. I work. used to be scared. I used to be like very shy. My first time on CNBC, I was drunk as fuck. I took four shots of tequila. And that was too much at the time. And I could barely see the camera. But I was funny in it. So it was good. So basically, now it's just retraining so that you can do it without drinking. Well, now it's like I I need to go backwards. Now I have like verbal diarrhea. Like I can't, I just comes out. Like I don't even, I didn't even want to say half this stuff that I just told you. I just can't (laughs) help it. So now I need, I don't know what. What, what's out there to put it back in, but in my book, honesty is always better than hypocrisy. So I'll take it. I mean, it's fun. I wanted to show you, look, I can be a fun podcast guest. I'm not introverted. Like they all say they're liars. <laughs> there you go, guys. Tim Sykes, go check out his Instagram, go check out uh, his website. If you want to get started with training, then get started it's boring. With it. It's going to take you too long to Trust learn. Me, you're going to want to do up. You're going to give up halfway. It's not worth it. Go out and live. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. 
Hey, hey, thanks for listening to this episode. That's it for today. As you all know, this show is completely free. Our only ask is that if you found anything valuable in this episode or in any of the episodes that you've listened to, then share it with somebody else and leave us a quick rating review in whatever platform you're listening to right now. It would be super, super helpful for us. Uh, so that's it for today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Catch you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.